Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping provide the inside scoops to people, uh, both around life here at Southridge, but in this particular month, life even beyond Southridge, because uh, during our It Takes a Village season, which is typically through the month of July, uh, we make a point of hearing from some outside voices, and today we have the chance to catch up with someone who has become a real good friend of Southridge, uh, Ada Bible Church's senior pastor, Jeff Mannion. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Hey, hello, and Jeff, it's so good to be with you today, man. Well, we're going to have some fun today. Uh, Remember, Jeff is here because he owes us when uh, (laughs) a thousand of us journeyed through his 30-day journey called Dream Big, Think Small a couple years ago. And so Jeff has been so embedded into our psyche that we felt like it was worth a visit to uh, the west side of Michigan and uh, to just kind of check in with how things are going in your world. So Talk to us, first of all, about how you're doing, how it's going with your family, and how this whole working from home thing looks for you. You know, it's, uh, it's easier for me than it is for some uh, because we're empty nesters. And so uh, our three kids are like 30, 32, 34 in that range. And so, uh, Jeff, we haven't had to navigate the, you know, becoming a homeschool mom while working from home type, <laughs> type thing. And so it's been quiet. It's been slow. I've had tons of needed solitude. Um, I'm a kind of a, maybe a mild extrovert. And so I have a little bit less contact than I would, you know, have optimally. But uh, like you, are you having a ton of like Zoom conversations these days or just a telephone? What, what's your, yeah, what's no, your we're, we're, we're pretty Zoomed out. Okay. I have turned a lot of my Zoom conversations into phone conversations so I can walk. And uh, I've started recording meetings, the length of them, not in uh, minutes, but in miles. And so oh, I wow. get back and I go, yeah, that was a mile and a half uh, meeting. And so uh, we've got a neat little neighborhood uh, around us, tree line that I can walk through. And so uh, all told, uh, I have felt since the beginning of the virus that we're getting off light as a as a couple all things considered it it is amazing how differently different people based on their season of life and their family circumstances are experiencing that lockdown you know work from home dynamic and your capacity to to be productive or overburdened or whatever it's brutal um Jeff, you and I chatted actually very early on yeah. when the pandemic hit. I was keen to kind of know how you guys were processing it. Can you, just for kicks, can you remember back to those early days when things were changing so much oh, so fast for you? I do because I was out of state. Uh, Chris and I, uh, we flew to California March 1, okay? And the prevailing advice at the beginning of March was so mild. It was kind of, you know, there's this virus thing. It's pretty much in China. Probably isn't a good time to get on a cruise ship. That was about it. 14 days later, Jeff, we're flying home. The terminal at the Sacramento airport is a ghost town and they're shutting down the state. That that was in two weeks and it was almost by the day. And I, I never remember anything that change. I mean, it, 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 the the point of reflection is you know nine eleven, but that was different because that was a shock. But then things normalized after a bit, 
uh, I don't remember anything like this that has been change after change after change after change. Obviously, being away, you were probably trying to be away as opposed to be in Ada Bible Church mode. But what what were some of those initial feelings that you had? Like, how how were you or you and Chris processing things? Um, it was it was interesting even to latch onto an emotion because every time something shifted, there was a surprise. You know, oh, you know, again, we're in California, and I was speaking in California. So first weekend. I spoke, they asked people, okay, rather than shaking hands, just kind of wave, maybe an elbow bump. Next weekend, I was speaking at a church and they canceled services and I recorded like on Thursday or on Friday. And so it was just, wow, you know, and then, okay, we're closing bars, we're closing uh, wine tasting areas in, you know, California wine areas, uh, restaurants down to half capacity. And so it didn't feel like everything dropped. It felt like every day there was kind of a new thing. And even and here in Michigan. Considering, considering those wine tours were the whole reason you accepted those speaking engagements. I, I never would have gone out there with that. That, that really cramped your style. No, I know. Here I am speaking to people in St. Catharines. I understand that, man. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, beautiful wine area in your. Yeah, but Chris, is, we met in, Chris and I met in Northern California, and her family still lives out there. Mm. And so uh, we try to get out there every year or two. And so, uh, but even here in Michigan, Jeff, the, um, it was kind of, the beginning was, okay, we're closing things down through April 13 or something like that. And so we said, okay, there's no services. We might reopen before Easter. And then it gets extended and then it gets extended and then it gets extended. And so part of emotionally relating to this is that this isn't a single incident, but kind of this moving target type thing that we've tried to adjust to. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you and I have talked about uh, the running analogy so often because both of us have made a point of trying to run at some point in our lives, yeah. if, not, if not recently. And what's weird is we have no idea how many miles this run is. Oh, yes. Right? Is yeah. this thing a three-miler? Because I'll run at a certain pace for three yep. miles. Yep. Or is this a 20-miler? Is this, an ultra, is this an ultra marathon? Is this a 36 hour event? (laughs) Which, you know, so you go out and you start running the first couple miles and then you think, whoa, maybe I'm, maybe the pace is not suitable for 36 consecutive hours. And that's, that's, I think what we're, we're all trying to figure out, right. With, with such an indeterminate timeline on a vaccine or on when a reasonable Mm -hmm. full reopening of, of sorts could happen. Uh, just determining the timeline and the pace has been hard. Even the, even the old analogy of the waiting room where someone's in surgery and you're in the waiting, waiting for the doctor to walk through the door, even that in an extreme surgery is isolated to an expected number of hours. It kind of like, you know, we might be back this afternoon. We might be back seven days from now, (laughs) you know, that never never happens, you know? Hey, you know, knowing you were processing this as a church leader as well, not just out, you know, vacationing and speaking and whatnot, but when you think about your church, what was your default sense when it came to just the awareness that, whoa, things are closing for a time, things are shutting down? What did you believe instinctively about the church? Um, First of all, I was very, very grateful for the elements that we had put in place over an extended period of time, like our small group ministry. 
because our small group ministry immediately went to trying to stay in touch on Zoom. I, I guess I'm saying we're glad that we weren't in the process of trying to form those relationships. We were attempting to take advantage of those relationships that had been formed over time. Even our uh, youth ministry, Jeff, went to a weekly presentation with scriptures. And so it, it felt like we were able to uh, pivot pretty quick to take advantage of the relationships that were established. It, it wasn't my initial thought, but soon after that initial wave of, my goodness, we could be in this for a while, was just, I started asking, what are the opportunities here? Uh, it's, I, maybe I just call that hopefulness, but is it possible that we're able to innovate in this season? And by the way, the jury's still out. I don't know the answer to this question, but are we able to innovate in this season that we look back five years from now and we go, we never would have happened on to that innovation without the virus. Even some respects in which we go, thank God for COVID because it led us to the, one of the greatest opportunities of outreach we've ever experienced. And so I've begun through this time, not, not consistently every day, but repeated throughout the day to be able to say, okay, what, what is the opportunity perspective here? What is the innovation opportunity here? Uh, where are we going to come out of this someday healthier and better and with outreach that we didn't go into this with because we were forced to innovate? Yeah, yeah. It's the never miss the the benefit of a crisis. Yeah, never let a crisis yeah. go wasted, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get a little more practical then. And just for those of us listening from Southridge, who've been a fan of you and a fan of, of Ada, how have things worked for you guys in, in comparison? I know we ha uh, we're familiar with how things have worked for Southridge, but how did your church respond? Uh, trying to move all ministries online. Uh, trying to, this was one of the blessings. Um, we were, Jeff, we were imagining a massive drop in giving. You know, we were, you know, back in March, we're trying to say, okay, what if giving in April goes to 60%? What if in May it goes to 40%? And so, you know, I've got spreadsheet people who are looking at cash flow and et cetera. And we took a bit of a hit, but it was not catastrophic and it was not astronomical. It was a bump downward. But even before we knew that giving would be solid, there were some urban ministries in our area. And I am just so grateful that we got to hand deliver some checks to some urban ministries that were much, that kind of live on the razor's ed edge anyway. And with loss of immediate hours in the service industry before some unemployment kicked in in the States and what have you. And so our impulse was immediately, who's going to get hit by this and how? And how can we be a friend to ministries that we've established years of relationship with in order to serve them during this season? And looking back, that was one of the biggest blessings that we were able to be right away. And I'm thankful that it was before we knew that we were going to be okay financially. We just knew that right, they were going to be right. hit harder. Oh, I love that. I love that. We, I know early on in our context, we, we, kind of reminded our people, hey, remember that fundamental to the way of Jesus is not, how does this affect me? Wow. 
fundamental to the way of Jesus is the voluntary relinquishment of your privilege to enhance the underprivileged. And, wow. you know, some of us, some of, we're all going to get affected by this, but some of us are only going to be inconvenienced by this. Yes. Yeah. Others are going to be ravaged. And this is actually the time counterintuitively. I know that you're, you know, paying closer attention to your stocks and things like that. Yeah. Counterintuitively, this is the time to be disproportionately generous and to relinquish that privilege that is making this more of an inconvenience to you than ravaging you. And so to see your your church respond that way is is beautiful and just a great example. I love that. Well, and it was based on, uh, built on the foundation of friendships that we have been cultivating for years. And it would have been difficult to even to go through a grid of who to help, etc., if we had not been establishing those relationships. So it was kind of the payoff, you know, of uh, years of staying close and just being, you know, sister churches or something like that with, with other yeah, ministers. Yeah. Hey, uh, in the first, I'll call it the first three or four months of this now, uh, where would you say that you've seen God at work the most significantly or uh, it, what have you learned the most so far? Boy, uh, what I've learned the most is uh, to be fluid and flexible. Um, there's just let's do this for the next six months and <laughs> kind of went out the window really quick. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful, Jeff, that we already had services online and that we already had giving online. Um, but just to hold plans loosely as uh, to come up with a plan, to come up with a solid plan, and to be willing to rethink and to change the plan from literally, you know, month to month as things lock down and then as things open up. So I don't ever remember a season where it's been harder to plan for four months out without really knowing what four months out is is going to look like. And uh, some of our focus has just been going back to our core just being able to say we're stripped down to solid biblical teaching, small group experience, encouraging people in the relationships that they've built or have the opportunity to build now, daily digging into the word. And it, it's almost like a stripping back, if you will, because all of the ancillary activity around the edges have been, has been cut off. And it is kind of neat to see when when that forces that level of clarity or that level of pruning. It is it is neat to see who you actually are, yeah. And what you are as a community, like really, yeah. say okay, you know, yeah. Now that we're stripping it back uh, to the most basic irreducibles, this is this is who we are as a church. I love that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm curious in, you know, for those of us listening, we are so familiar with the dream big thing, small framework of slow and steady faithfulness. Yeah. Knowing how crazy and chaotic this has been and how rapid and repeated the change has been, does, does, how does that work? Like does slow and steady faithfulness affect or get affected by crises like pandemics? I, I, I think it's, I think it's both. Uh, I've, I've, I've believed for the longest time, Jeff, that it's, what we're doing when nothing is going wrong that prepares us for what to do when everything is going wrong. Hmm. And so the disciplines that we establish over time 
are to prepare us for such moments when really we feel like the rug is pulled out from under us. But Both personally and as a church. Both personally and as a church. And so it, it's like a time of crisis does two things, it, at least two. Uh, a time of crisis reveals the character that's there and is also at the same time an opportunity to forge character. And so the opportunity for slow and steady faithfulness, one of the immediate voices we heard was from moms and dads that immediately turned into homeschool parents, but also said, during this season when I'm not allowed to go into the office, I am getting more time with my second grader than I have had in the last couple of years. And I'm so grateful for this bonding time. I had a dad tell me, you know, taught his 12-year-old son to mountain bike, and the kid just loves it. And they've been out again and again and again. That mountain biking bonding experience would not have happened without COVID. And so that's not astronomical, but I guess what I'm saying is there's even some slow and steady in that, that it's not these massive breakthrough moments with your preteen, but just a dad and his son, you know, a dad and his daughter out together, a mom and her son, mom and her daughter out together. There's something about the crisis that allows you to go, okay, life has just shifted. Our schedule has just shifted. All of the extracurriculars have just been canceled. All of those picnics, graduation, open houses are off for the time being. What do we do now? And so that's where I think the opportunity has come for many is as stuff gets stripped away, there's an opportunity. Some people have taken the time, more time in the word each morning. It's not rushed because you jump in the car and head to work. Maybe you can get 10 minutes but some more regular time because some of the other stuff has been stripped away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question for you. What spiritual practices or commitments have mattered most to you or maybe have given you opportunity to grow in uh, during this pandemic season and the slowness and the extra space that it's provided? Well, number one, there's one that's continued that I've practiced for years and I wrote about this in, in the book. But there's another one that I am deeply, deeply grateful that I've adopted during this season. And the one that I'm glad that I hung on to um, is just the gratitude exercise of every day writing down three unique things that I'm grateful for. Jeff, this has become hard because it's like Groundhog Day. It's like <laughs> every day is the same day again. And so the discipline of sitting in the chair and saying, okay, today, what unique food item, what unique conversation? What FaceTime conversation with my grand, you know, four-year-old granddaughter? What's your What's your rule for how many days you have to let pass before you can be regrateful for something? Oh you've heard? my! Yeah. It's I it, I try to do it a bunch, but all you have to do is change food items. You know, the grilled cheese sandwich, <laughs> the jelly dog. You know, um, it, but but seriously, you get a drenching rain, and you, you just it brings life to the earth. And there's a week later, you go. Dude, I said rain. La okay, do it again. You know, you're are you grateful? You know, <laughs> so Lord, thank you for the rain. But here's the new discipline. Um, right after Easter, we went in Jeff to a series on Proverbs, and we challenged our people with something called the Wisdom Challenge. And we asked them to do three things for two months. We asked them to read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the day of the month. Because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs and, yeah. you know, most days have 30, 31 days. And so all you have to do to remember, the re if you lose a reading schedule, you know, April 17, Proverbs chapter 17, May 2, Proverbs 2. The second thing we asked them to do was to select one proverb 
you know, a better is a small serving of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred and to write it down. And then we asked him to share that with at least one other person. So it was read, write, share, read, write, share. And we called this the wisdom challenge. So we've been speaking on Proverbs from the weekend and on the weekends, but then asking everybody. And we have been thrilled with the number of people that have bought into this. So my neighbor next door, uh, not a attender at our church, though follows us online religiously. He caught that sermon where I talked about the wisdom challenge. The next morning, I got a text from him with a proverb that said Mannion homework. And it was a proverb that was there. And every single day, I, I think without fail over the last two months, I've received a proverb from Jim next door. And I've sent a proverb from Jim wow. next door. And wow. so the joy in my life there is that it's become a discipline that I'm doing with my neighbor. And I don't know that he has ever had like a Bible reading program or tried to read the scriptures every day. And dude, I get that thing every morning like clockwork. And so that's been one of the joys. And the reason we did that, Jeff, the reason we jumped into that is because in the middle of April, we were only a month into this and everybody felt isolated and alone and I can't see people. And we, I felt that we just needed to latch onto something that thousands of people were going through together. And you knew that thousands of other people were also reading Proverbs chapter six that day and posting these and sharing these. So we needed kind of a collective deal and it's borne more fruit than I could have imagined. So oh, that's amazing. So that's one of so, my- So yeah, Southridge Peeps uh, in September, when you start being assigned proverb chapter readings every day, and uh, picking a proverb and sharing it with somebody else, uh, that was not a product of our rich creativity. <laughs> we just stole that from Mannion and Ada. Yeah, call it the wisdom challenge, you know. Yeah. There you go. But Yeah, I heard once that there was this wisdom challenge. So that, that, yeah, that really. Yeah. Hey, I want to shift gears because in addition to navigating COVID, um, we've been navigating something else lately. Oh, my I goodness. Yeah. You, as an American, I'm sure has been navigating this way more than us. Uh, talk to us about just how Ada has navigated issues of racism in your history and maybe just what's been going on lately with you know protests and things and what word God has been speaking to your church these days. Yeah. Um, honest answer about how we've addressed this historically is not well. And uh, unfortunately, I've been the senior pastor at Ada Bible Church for three and a half decades, so I can't blame the old guy, you know, the guy that was pastoring before I got, yeah, guy came yeah. along. And so uh, the fact that I have not brought this before our congregation on a more regular basis, it could be linked directly to me. Um, what has happened, and one of the protests that happened in Grand Rapids transitioned into a lot of the peaceful protesters and demonstrators went home, but it was also an opportunity for people that just wanted to break stuff uh, to come to the downtown area, beautiful downtown area, just trashed, windows broken up and down. And so uh, what this has done, Jeff, is it has provided the opportunity for me to lead and to speak into an area that I believe has been non uh, long neglected. And so 
um, when I spoke on the topic of race is like two or three weekends ago now, uh, I just called it a conversation about our city. And I said this conversation would have been just as important a year ago or perhaps a year from now. What's happening right now just gives us the opportunity to have this conversation today. And I was very, very grateful because uh, you've had this experience where you're working on material and suddenly some things just begin to lock into place like tumblers on a safe, you know, and they just click into place. And so what I did was I shared three commitments that I have made in the past. And I invited the congregation into those three commitments. And those three commitments are look back, lean in, and love well. And four and a half, five years ago, I began meeting with African-American leaders in the city of Grand Rapids for a ongoing dinner group. We meet at someone's house three or four hours at a clip of every three to four months. And so I was able to say, this is what I have been doing the last four and a half years with this group of leaders. I look back, I lean in and love well. And look back, Jeff, in the States, we just have to recognize the history of a segregated country. Yeah. And so look back is just, we just have to recognize, look, this happened uh, and happens. Lean in is just the humility to listen, particularly listen to a person of color and say, help me see what you see. You see the world in a way that I might not see the world. Lean in, help me see what you see. And love well is just Jesus' second greatest you know, command, love your neighbor as yourself. And his application, by the way, of love your neighbor as yourself was the story of the Good Samaritan, which is about a person serving an individual in a different racial group. In that story, a Samaritan assisting a Jew. And so look back, lean in, love well. And what I'm grateful for the wording of that is it was not simply wording for a sermon, but is now an ongoing outline for an ongoing dialogue that was easy for people to latch onto. And so um, I hope that we are, I am hopeful that we are at the beginning of a great conversation that wherever a person is coming from, whether a person of color attending Ada Bible Church or someone that feels like, no, this dude, this this is a conversation for somebody else. We don't have any challenges here. <laughs> that look back, lean in, and love well are going to stick with us for a while as talking points. Hmm, that's great. That's a, that's a great and very helpful framework for us even. Um, we're wrapping up soon, so I just wanted to ask preliminary questions uh, about how you're viewing reopening. I know there's a lot of uh, uncertainty about the future, but say anything you want to say about reopening or, you know, what you anticipate to be the new normal, all that, you know, timeline, whatever. Yeah. Uh, one thing I anticipate is that whatever reopening looks like, it's not going to look like what people experienced in February. And so we, we are adding an option at the end of July, which is a live option. But Jeff, we imagine that over half of our attendance will either be watching alone online or with a family member online, or what we call Ada Bible Church Home Edition, you know, people that you're comfortable meeting with up to 10 people, you know, when we started this, neighbors or family or friends. And so rather than watching the sermon on their cell phone, we want people with at least a taste of community watching it together. 
And so we're going to be adding to those two online, Ada Bible Church Home Edition. We're going to be adding an opportunity for people to attend a service live. And yet we're going to be separating the chairs. Um, and so we need at least half of our people to continue with the online option. And so it's not like we're all coming back. It's like, you know, uh, some of you that are dying to get back, there's an opportunity here, but it, it's not like going back to what it was like in February. Um, the churches in the Grand Rapids area that are opening up the highest numbers we've heard are 50%. And when you try to do social distancing, Unless you like, you know, do 19 services, you, you need the space. You can't be at full capacity. Yeah. At the time that we're recording this, uh, I know Ontario has only allowed church gatherings up to 30% capacity. Yeah. So we actually have a, a government, like a, a provincial government restriction on that. And uh, so whether people have the option or not, they're, they're really, really significantly limited. Well, what that means is you talk about the new normal. I imagine our new normal being, and this could go not, not only through the summer, Jeff, but possibly into the fall, particularly with people who are elderly or have a compromised uh, uh, respiratory system or something, diabetes, something like that. Uh, we imagine being primarily online with a live component. And it used to be, I mean, February, pre-COVID, was primarily live with an online component. And so right. we that may, my friend, that may have permanently shifted. Ask me three years, you invite me back three years yeah. from now, you know, yeah. and I'll let you know. But I, I don't think, I, I think that our online, communicating online with people and online services is has got to be sharper than it's ever been before because probably a greater percentage of our people will be watching it for some time to come. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, wrapping up, all of our listeners are huge fans of you. You've had massive impact in our church community and in our individual lives and families now for some years. Any final thoughts or encouragements to us and to our members when it comes to continuing to maintain that slow and steady faithfulness, even through a season of such drastic change in crisis? Yeah, just... Just one more plea, man. The boring stuff matters. <laughs> the stuff that we return to again and again and again and again, it's not new. If we've been doing it for years, whether it's giving faithfully, serving faithfully, reading scripture faithfully, uh, praying for our kids faithfully, it's not new. By virtue of that, it might be not be particularly interesting. But Jeff, that's the good stuff. Just a great life is built. An extraordinary life is built a day at a time. And a great journey is built through 10,000 unextraordinary steps. So be faithful, man. Be faithful and pray that God will use your life in a massive way. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here again. It's always great to hear kind of how you're processing things. And uh, I appreciate you even making the time a few months ago when we were first navigating this to say, um, how are you thinking about this? Because I I would love some people kind of speaking into our world. And uh, you've you've continued even past our uh, dream big, think small era. You've continued to be a real friend of me and, and to Southridge. So we, we, we say thanks for that. So Jeff, I'm so, to you I'm, and listen, man, listen, I'm so grateful for you. The ministry of Southridge, uh, community, 
the work that you're doing in your areas through your campuses. Just may our gracious God continue to give you guys wisdom, discernment, and stamina as you keep up the good work. Thanks so much, man. And thanks to all of you uh, for listening in. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.